0: This is A Drink with a Friend. I'm Tish Oxenreiter,
1: And I'm Seth Haynes.
0: Seth, what are you drinking this afternoon?
1: Do I have to say? Do do we always have to do this? I know it's called A Drink with a Friend, but I'm really embarrassed.
0: Is it just bottled water again?
1: No, it's worse. Look, I'll give you context clues. For those of you at home, you can already lodge your guess. But (laughs) here are the context clues that I'm about to give Tish.
0: Uh, Coffee mug, white... It's Starbucks, so I don't – it's a Starbucks mug. It is. So it's it Starbucks is. from it the is. office?
1: It is. Okay. It's a Keurig. It's an awful cup. <laughs> of cup. I feel like we're going to get sued at some point if I keep doing this. Like, you know, I'm going to – they're going to – somebody's going to sue me and say I'm slandering them.
0: Hmm. Well, what's funny is – so a few years ago when we had this idea for the show and thought this would be a fun, like, premise – There's another show, we've talked about this before, where they have like fun, interesting drinks every time. And they ask guests to submit recipes and all this stuff. And my thought was like, oh, we'll do that. And like 99% of the time, it's water or coffee. Uh, We've
1: never done that. Well, you do your mocktail thing a lot.
0: I do. And I do have a more interesting drink today. But usually I don't. So Yeah. We're boring. That's okay. Well,
1: and my guess is that you have a more interesting drink because this is sort of a sort of a celebration, sort of a finale event.
0: It's a wrap up. I I would prefer calling it a wrap up or maybe like an exit ramp than a finale Mm. because we're not like permanently leaving. We're just. Are
1: we? No, that's 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 for later. That's we got to talk about that later.
0: Yeah, Um, but we are. Kicking off the summer. Let's just say that. Well, summer's been around, but we're kicking it off. Uh, I will just go ahead and tell you the reason I am drinking what I'm drinking is because I sent a recipe to my subscribers this morning. Uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday before this episode goes live. And the reason I sent it is because they all got the quarterly periodical. And I am mentioning it as a shameless plug because this is something my Substack subscribers get. And I've dusted off this practice and it's going to be a uh, four times a year thing that everyone gets. And it's basically the next best thing to s- sending you a printed email, a uh, printed email, a printed newspaper of sorts. It's digital. I hope it's not digital forever, but uh, it always includes a drink recipe. So this one includes this drink recipe. It's called a Pimm's cup. Have you ever had a Pimm's cup, Seth? Back in Back your in the day, yes. drinking days. <laughs> so yes. I've. I first had this back on the first Literary London trip I led. It is kind of the quintessential summer British drink. In fact, I since learned that um, local Brits kind of find it schmaltzy, sort of like – I'm trying to think of an example. Something that's almost too on the nose. Uh, I don't know. Like maybe like – a, Like a frozen margarita? Yeah. That's kind of what comes to my mind. So it's almost like too unoriginal there, but almost no one's heard of it here. And so I'm happy to bring uh, – Pims Cups to my local community here as though I'm uh, doing something original, which I am entirely not. So I'm drinking a Pims Cup, which is the British cocktail summer drink of choice. And it's lovely. And you would know how to make one the way I make it if you got that newsletter. So that's what I'm drinking this afternoon in celebration of my subscribers, who I'm very grateful for.
1: So are you going to share how you made it? Are you just going to say, hey, you got to go? I mean, get, get the newspaper.
0: Here's the thing. There are recipes all over the internet for Pims Cups, so you can look it up. My version of it is in the newsletter, and I'll just keep it between me and my readers. Not that it's that different. I just switch out a, an herb, and I switch out their proportions of the ingredients to make mine a little bit different.
1: It is a teaser, if it I've is. ever heard one.
0: So go, go read it. I think it's on page 10 or something of the newsletter, of the periodical. So, yeah, there you go. All right. Well, as you already alluded to, we're talking about finales. Tell me what you had in mind when you pitched this idea to me. So
1: this is sort of the end of this season, sort of the end of an era, a finale, if you will. Uh, Some might say a grand finale. I don't know. Uh, Because you are grand and you released a grand Pim's Cup recipe (laughs) after all. So, you know, in thinking about finales, I started to think about what are the like sort of finales that stick out in, in my mind, whether mm-hmm. that's the finale of a show or the last line of a novel or poem, uh, the last track of an album, um, you know, something along those, those lines that the, the, the best, la- the best lasts uh, for lack of a better term. And, and I thought, man, you know what, this would be really fun to talk about because we've never talked about this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's such a fun idea to me endings tend to make or break a thing, which is unfortunate because sometimes, well, I mean, I think this is almost more par for the course. A show can be really great. And then the ending is just kind of lackluster all the way to terrible. And it leaves a bad taste yes. in your mouth. And that's unfortunate.
1: You know, we've talked about this. We have talked about this with respect to I, this almost feels sacrilegious to say. okay. And I'm really sorry for all of the readers out here who would disagree and to Anthony dorr. But we've talked about this with all the light we cannot see, which which I found to be a perfect novel until the ending. Sure, it, which is it's kind of weird to say, but like that fast forward uh, twenty years. Like now, don't get me wrong; that novel's still amazing. It's still in my top two novels. I read it, you know, every few years. I love it so much. So, mm-hmm. this criticism is is very ridiculous. I understand. But by the same token, um, you know, as for making or breaking, if the book wouldn't have been better, I really do think that the ending would have broken that book.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I know what you mean. And yet what's funny is I haven't read that book in about five years. So um, I, I need to reread it. I don't think of the ending at all. I think of the everything else That's in right. between. So there you go. Yep. It didn't ruin the book for me, even though maybe yep. the ending wasn't my favorite.
1: Well, and I think that's why that book is so brilliant is because not not respecting the ending. I mean, you don't even you don't even think about it. You cut the you cut the book off, you know, fifteen pages before it's finished, and it's the perfect novel. You know, yeah. and so nobody ever thinks about it. And and to that end, um, maybe this is sort of my first my first run at this. To that end, I have an album that is just like that. Okay. So a few years ago, Damien Rice released Mm -hmm. an album. And in his album, his third album, I think it was his third album, it's sort of a trilogy. It starts with his first album where he was um, touring and writing with Lisa Hannigan. And then evidently there was some, we'll just say turmoil and drama. And if you want to really know the story, you can go look at it. And there was turmoil and drama. and, and, And that led to his second album, which was just this angsty, angry, Drunk and rampage about relationships. And then um, the story goes, I think the story goes, if I'm remembering it correctly, that he sort of disappeared. He was often found on the streets of Dublin busking, drunk. Um, He was still able to like pack out venues, but he wasn't. He was just a shell of himself. And Rick Mm -hmm. Rubin found him Mm. and put him in a studio and said, you're going to sober up and write an album. And that's what he did.
0: He was already – so he was already – decently known then because if he could sell out how did rick rubin find him on the street that's amazing
1: yeah no but when you go you could actually go they may have all been removed by now but you can go and look at the the youtube videos and when you look at the youtube videos of him on the street he looks homeless
0: oh my gosh that's wild
1: like you wouldn't recognize him because he looks like a homeless man okay um but he would be busking and people would be like oh my gosh that's damien rice Um, wow Now some of this may be memory playing tricks on me and like adding to the lore because I'm a storyteller. So who knows? But so, so he goes in the studio, he sobers up, he goes in the studio and he writes this album and it is the most Hmm. brilliant album. Um, and, uh, the, the album ends, it doesn't end with it. it, The next to the last track, um, on the album is a track called trusty and true. Hmm. And, uh, it's so beautiful it's so good um and it's just like this whole idea like it's like this culmination of um you know forgiveness and grace and moving on and beauty and it's so it's so beautiful it's on the album called my favorite faded fantasy uh-huh. um so there's this beautiful track it sort of like wraps up the whole theme of the three albums and then there's a 12th track I can't say that I probably have not not listened to the 12th track, but maybe five times. Hmm. And that's one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, So it wasn't really like a grand finale, but the album was so good that I just kind of sort of cut it off. Sure. At that 11th track, 11th, I think it's the 11th track. And I, and I call it uh, the perfect ending to a three album arc, forgetting that there's another song at the end of it.
0: You're the one that actually introduced me to that album. I didn't, know much about Damien Rice until you told me about him on our first Italy trip. So I I credit you with introducing me to his music. And I do remember that is one of those rare albums where you could listen to the whole thing start to finish. And yes. Yeah.
1: And if you don't cry, you're not human.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. He has a way. He I don't know what it is about him. It's interesting what you said. I love people. Well, I don't know why he was on the streets. It sounds like maybe that wasn't an ideal situation perhaps, but I feel like, I mean, maybe this is an aside, but I feel like people do good work when they also do other normal people things, even when they found success. So I don't know if if that says something good about him, but to me it kind of does. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. All right,
1: Tish, tell me uh, what's one of your favorite endings?
0: Oh, man. Okay. I've written down notes, as we have said. Um, I'm debating whether I'm going to talk about books or a movie or a TV series. I've got a number of books. I'm going to start with – I'm going to just go with books. First of all, um, I've got three classics and kind of two just from an author. I won't won't belabor all of them. Don't worry. Okay. This is your assigned reading. You need to read – a I th- You would love him. He's he's a modern writer, kind of like Anthony Doerr that where you're mad at how good he tells a story. He takes a long <laughs> time in between each novel. I think he's only released three. He's working on his fourth. Um, the one that's he's most well known for is A Gentleman in Moscow, which is being turned into a movie right now. But he does fantastic endings. Kyle and I talked about this this morning over coffee because I knew this is what you and I were going to be talking about today. Like, let's talk about good endings his books his stories he's such a good storyteller i mean he he's really good at weaving sentences but his plots are just fantastic also um they they do something that's really hard to do which is they surprise the reader like i I've, I've read two of his books so two out of 3 i can't comment on all three um but so far both books i've read they surprise you and yet they satisfy you meaning they surprise you in a way that's not like it makes you mad at the author sometimes, you know, like, Oh, come on. Or I didn't see that coming. And now you're making me feel like an idiot. They actually, his endings actually add a layer of depth to the entire plot to where it makes you want to go back and reread the entire thing again. So the two books I've read of his are a gentleman in Moscow and the Lincoln highway, the Lincoln highways ending is, ai don't want to say controversial, but some people like it. Some people don't. I loved it because it was so Um, I can't give spoilers because these are too new, but it, um, it was a very rich kind of comeuppance on one of the characters. I did not see it coming at all. And yet, like, you almost have to close the book and just think about it for a while and think, wait, what just happened? And then the more you think about it, the more you think, like, that was a perfect way for his rather sad life to end. And I'm both annoyed, but it works. I, I know I'm being super vague, but I just, to me, it's it's not a classic yet because it's only been around a few years. So people need to read it because he's such a great storyteller. Um, and then A Gentleman in Moscow, fantastic ending. Seth, you really, really, really need to read that book. You would really, really like it. It's a slow burn. It takes a while to get into it. And then once you do, you can't stop because you love the character so much. Well, I, it took me a few years before picking it up because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of those contrarians. If everyone's talking about it, it makes me not want to read it, which is totally a fault of mine. Um, I, I own that. But uh, when I read the premise, it sounded boring. It's about a count who's stuck in a hotel. Like he's not allowed to leave. He's under house arrest, basically. Uh, this is during the Russian Revolution. And so he's a noble. Um, and so he's not allowed to leave. It takes it over decades. Like he lives there for decades. And to me, I'm thinking that sounds very claustrophobic. It's a delightful yeah. read from start to finish. So those two books have. Wonderful endings. There's something about the way Amortals wraps up a story. Well, I, like, maybe this is inside, what's that called? Inside baseball? Is that a term? I think that's yeah, a term. Inside baseball. Um, that's my sports analogy or sports <laughs> metaphor. Um, I like learning how writers tell good stories after I've read their book. And I did a deep dive on some of his old interviews and he just keeps, he carries journals around with him for like 10 years. He dedicates a journal to a particular story idea he has. So he might have like five journals on him at any one time, And that's because he's always thinking of different stories. And so these stories take their time. He's, he's really thought about them and you can tell. Um, so if I haven't sung his praises enough, maybe, maybe if a reader was on the fence about reading Immortals, they are convinced now. So go read those two books; they're really great. That's
1: amazing. I will, yeah, put those on the list. I actually just finished, uh, officially finished, Cloud Cuckoo. So
0: mm, there you go. I'm, I'm you in have, the market for a novel. You're a free bird. All right. So what else do you have? Do I'm you a have? free bird. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: see what you did there. <laughs>
0: Uh, um, okay.
1: So I, I do want to go back to the well of music again. I feel like uh-huh. this is how it always is. You're going back to the well of books and I'm going back to the well I know. of music. Uh I like maybe it. we should do a podcast on that. But anyway, yeah. Um I so so a few years ago, and you'll remember this too, I've talked about this album on the show, in fact. Typhoon, the band, mm-hmm. released mm-hmm. an album called Offerings. Offerings. <laughs> and the premise of the album offerings is it's about a man who is dying. Uh he has dementia and his wife is sort of by his side through the whole thing. And it's sort of the uh the recap of a life for lack of a better term, like the recap of a life through music and 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 sort of the the narrative of his death. And there is a track at the end. It's actually a hidden track. So it's one of those where it's like the last track, but the last track is like 15 minutes long or something, and it just sort of keeps playing. Um, and I d- like this is a spoiler that I do not want to give away, but everybody listening to this podcast, man, woman, child, elderly, <laughs> needs to go spin this album for an hour and listen to it from beginning to end with a notebook and just let the last hidden track wash over them. And uh, allow it to allow you to be unafraid. Ooh, I like that. It is good. So I, I think it's the perfect ending of any album ever written. Full stop, period, you know, argue with me if you want.
0: It's high praise. It is a good album. It's high praise. It, yeah. High yeah. praise. I like it. That's good. Tish. Yeah. What you got? All right. I wish I had an album. I There's an album I thought of, a trio of albums that I've talked about before. Um, but I, I need to do more research on the purpose behind the full story. But we've talked about, um, oh, what is their name? The name is eluding me. Uh, Radical Face. Their trio of albums, The the Family Tree, The Roots, The Branches, and The Leaves. If you haven't listened to that, you would like it. Um, it tells a whole story about a fictional family in different generations. Very good. But I won't get into that now because I don't know enough about the ending. Um, I will just unpack the three classics I've talked about, but briefly, don't worry, I'm not about to give you a whole lesson, an English class lesson. Uh, The three that come to mind are repeats that I have mentioned here, but that's because they're great and there is no shame in that game. Uh, I I honestly thought of two of these have great last lines. One of them has a great first line in the last chapter. So the first one is Jane Eyre. I will not belabor the point of why I like this book so much because readers know you already know. Uh, but the first line of the last chapter is very well known, and it's Reader, I married him. So I love that line in Jane Eyre because this is one of the first times we see a narrator breaking the fourth wall and talking to the to the reader themselves. And yet it's still such a good ending if you know the plot. Just the the it's it's not really a surprise, but it's still a surprise based on her coming full circle as a person. And same with Mr. Rochester. So I love that the last paragraph, I mean, the last chapter begins with "Reader, I married him." Perfect so quintessential let me ask you ending.
1: This, because yeah. uh, I have not read Jane Eyre, as right. everyone here knows. <laughs> um, probably will never read Jane Eyre, as mm-hmm. everyone here knows. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'll probably get hate mail over that, but. As you read, the first time you read that reader, I married him, the first time you read that, does it make you think differently about everything you've read up to that point? Like,
0: oh, gosh, she's talking to me. Well, you know, she's talking to you at the beginning because she'll talk about, let me tell you a story from 10 years ago. But it's a big book. So you forget. Like, at least I do. I think maybe one other time she breaks the fourth wall and you're like, oh, that's right. She's the narrator. And then you get right back into it. So it's not so much that you're totally surprised that she broke the fourth wall, but she does it in such an astute way that it makes you feel like you were just invited to come along for the the whole ride. And she was telling you a story that was not just this epic hero's journey. She was telling you a story like a friend. And I know that sounds hokey and cheesy, but it really does feel that way when you read it for the first time and you get totally sucked into it. So I know.
1: So do you know what the first, second and third walls are before you move on to the last line?
0: No, I I, I felt like it had to do with the film industry where you've got three walls on a set and the fourth one is the camera. Yeah, and that it's may be true. And it's when an actor looks at the camera. That's what I thought yeah, I think that meant. Right. Okay.
1: That feels right. That feels right. I'm going to go with you on that. Okay, last line <laughs> of that book. Sorry.
0: Um, well, that was the last line of the first I mean, the first line of the last chapter. Next book. Oh, okay. All right. Got it. Okay, next book is the very last line. You know this book, but I'm going to read it again. Anyway, so we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. Do you know which book this is? Do not. Yeah. It's uh The Great Gatsby. Oh. So Gatsby, it's Nick Carraway talking, Gatsby believed in the green light, the orgastic future that year by year recedes before us. It eluded us then, but that's no matter. Tomorrow we will run faster, stretch out our arms farther, and one fine morning, so we beat on, boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. Um whole book is told to us by Nick Carraway, the whole story, um, and his accent- uh, talking about his eccentric neighbor Jay Gatsby, his untimely death. Sorry, spoiler alert, but it's a hundred years old now. And um, it is, I keep saying quintessential in this episode, and I'm annoyed at that. I'm annoying myself, but I'm, I can't think of another word offhand. It's the Pim's Cup. Um, quintessential jazz age, quintessential golden age, uh, right before, right in between world war one and the great depression with, um, the futility of life. So let's, you know, eat, drink and be merry kind of idea. Yeah. Um, fantastic writing. Wonderfully said great ending. And uh,
1: not, I mean, I would mm-hmm. say not just fantastic writing, like for my <laughs> money, oof. like if you want to just open that book and pick any three sentences. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, there's not, there's going to be a sentence in those three sentences, Or it's going to be painful how good the sentences are.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's maybe the common thread between every writer I've mentioned so far, which maybe says something about telling a story well and telling an ending well. I don't know. Um, Maybe. And then the last classic, and then I promise I'm going to let you talk, is uh, The Return of the King, the volume three of Lord of the Rings, and again, spoiler, but the ending in the book is more uh, poetic than in the movie, even though the movie is great. I love in the movie when all four of the hobbits are back in their pub in the Shire and they're looking around watching everybody just live their ordinary lives. And they just did like the most epic thing possible and they know no one will understand it. So they just look at each other silently. And to me, that's just, we all know what that feels like. Not to throw the ring into Mordor and then make it back to the Shire in one piece, but some version of that in our lives. And to have shared that with people and to look around <laughs> and to know like nobody will get it. So I'm just going to sit with it. I love that part. But the ending in the book, it's Samwise coming back home. He's married with kids. And he uh, says his wife, Rosie, and Rose drew him in, meaning to his house, and set him in his chair and put little Eleanor upon his lap. He drew a deep breath. Well, I'm back, he said. That's the ending. I have shivers just thinking about it. Like you just so read three huge volumes and the ending is, well, I'm back. And yep. that's, that's the theme of the entire series. Going home is, I mean, leaving is coming home. I mean, all, the whole thing. Anyway, I love it.
1: Yeah. And it, it, it's so simple too. In a, book th- in a book series that is so complex. <laughs> uh huh. I mean, even the language sometimes you're like, come on, man. Like, oh, totally. Scale it back a little, bro. Yeah. Um to end it with such like a beautiful, simple, terse ending, I've always mm-hmm. I've felt the same way.
0: I mean, that's probably the shortest sentence he ever wrote. I don't know. <laughs> Cause yeah, he, he likes to talk about trees for like 10 pages. So the right. fact that he just ends it with Well, I'm back is perfect. It's Chef's kiss. Ending.
1: It is perfect.
0: All right. What perfect. do you have what do you have next?
1: Well, I'll stick with books. Um and, and I say I'll stick with books. It's really not books, it's really novellas. Um so, I remember the first time I watched the movie, A River Runs Through It. Oh, yeah. And there's that beautiful monologue at the end. And I was, I was young. I mean, I was in my teens. And uh, um, having listened to the monologue at the end, I thought, I got to read that book because surely the book doesn't end like that. And then I read the whole book and I love the book so much. And surely the book does end like that. And it's so perfect. The, um, the ending of that book is so beautiful. There's so much drama in it, or the the novel. There's so much drama in it. There's just like all this family drama. It's the struggle of, of young man against old man, against nature, against brother. It's just, it's so rich and in, in complex. And at the very end of the book, uh, the last lines are, eventually all things merge into one and a river runs through it. The river was cut by the world's great flood and runs over rocks from the basement of time. On some of the rocks are timeless raindrops. Under the rocks are the words, and some of the words are theirs. I am haunted by waters.
0: Yeah. I mean, good
1: good grief, dude.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really good.
1: So good. So if you haven't read Norman (sighs) McLean, get that novella, read it understand that last passage read it over and over again i mean it is it's actually maybe a perfect book to pair with typhoon's offerings album
0: really i like that yeah yeah which
1: i didn't put together until just now so
0: that's really cool maybe
1: do all that together
0: there you go all right well i've got one last one and it's not a book it's a tv show and it's not exactly deep it's kind of silly did you ever watch chuck do you remember the show chuck
1: Uh, no.
0: (sighs) You and Amber would like it. Okay. Uh, It's a very 2000s TV show. So it's dated, meaning the technology and stuff. But if you can get over that, Zachary Levi is a delight and it's a comedy. It's a, I mean, it's a comedy, but it's also a mystery spy show and it's super fun. And it's got a great ending that I will not spoil. But it's it's five seasons long. So it's a show that's got an it there's enough out there to really enjoy over the span of a few months. But you could also binge it and then just get to the ending already. But it's really fun. I don't even know if it's streaming anywhere right now, but it's a really fun show. And we you know what it is. I think it's on HBO or whatever they call it now. I think I saw it on there. Um, our whole family likes it. There are some parts where you have to, like, okay, kids, close your eyes, but it's not too bad. It's really, it's PG 13 in that regard. Uh, but the ending is great. And I, that's all I'll say about that. Just go watch it. I think you'll like it. The premise of the show? Uh, the premise is a guy named Chuck works at the equivalent of a Best Buy. It's called Buy More. And he. He was kicked out of Stanford, so he's this brilliant guy, but he's stuck doing the nerd herd desk, which is, I guess, the geek squad version. And he accidentally gets all the CIA, FBI, and NSA's files downloaded into his brain. <laughs> it sounds so dumb <laughs> what I'm saying. It's really the premise is ridiculously unrealistic, but it's still really fun. So. He has to be kept alive until they can get him out. And in the meantime, they use him as a tool to help solve crimes and be a spy. So he's kind of this like unlikely spy being protected by real spies. And they use the best buy. I mean, sorry, the buy more as his like cover, you know, his cover and their base. That's the gist. Anyway, it's it's a very fun, mostly family friendly if you have teenagers show. Okay. Anyway.
1: All right. I'll have to check that out. Because we uh we're currently watching a show. Uh and when that's over, we always we always we like shows. We like a good show.
0: Us too. And it's harder and harder to find ones that we will all like for various it reasons. It is. Mm-hmm.
1: It is. And I'll save um current current shows for some other time. We'll talk okay. about that some other time because mm-hmm. I'm also gonna end on a show. Great. And okay. I feel like my finale of of the finale episode, the finale of the finale pick of the finale episode is perhaps the best hour of television that has ever been produced in all of mankind history in any universe of all time ever.
0: Can I guess before you say it?
1: Yes. Is it MASH? Is it MASH? No, but that was a really—that's a really good guess.
0: I didn't actually see it, but I keep hearing about how it's like the greatest ending of all time, and how it's pretty
1: phenomenal. But Seth—I
0: mean, not Seth—Kyle was telling me that he heard that the New York City sewer systems got clogged because everyone was watching that and then everyone used the bathroom at the same time afterwards. Anyway,
1: yeah, that's very true. And and it and <laughs> to to Kyle and his history's, history's credit, like yes, that's probably that <laughs> probably beats my pick, but I don't care. My pick is better. Um, okay, what's your pick? So season four, the season four finale of Battlestar Galactica is that was my so guess. freaking good.
0: I haven't seen it I mean, so You what? I know.
1: I am shocked and appalled.
0: Really? Okay. Well, it's your turn to be annoyed at me for not watching something. Oh, I'm not annoyed. I'm not annoyed. I'm just appalled. Okay. So, so the way
1: I actually, I think, I can't remember if I do it in every book that I've written, but I know that I do it in the last book that I wrote, that Amber and I wrote together that's coming out in, um. October of this year, actually, the deep down things. Um, shameless plug. But I think I do it in every book. There's this line, everything, you know, everything happened has has happened before and it will happen again. And that's sort of this running theme through Battlestar Galactica, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense until about season three, you start to really catch on. And then there's this really weird quirk that happens in season three that's like so anachronistic that hmm. you're like, it's a musical quirk, um, and it okay. and it's so anachronistic that you're like, this is maybe cheesy. I'm not sure if this is cheesy yet, but then it all sort of comes together as the rivers collide and, and as the confluence of time and art and history comes together in a three season a three three part arc called Daybreak. Um, mm. in season four, I do think it's season four, and that last. Episode is like perfect television, and Tish, and and what's really important about this show—it's really important. Don't let me understate this at all. Is that that show today, as of June twenty eighth, the recording date of this show, twenty twenty three, is more relevant and prescient than it was when it was written. And I can say that with full authority. Um, It is a a show about the journey of humankind,
0: Hmm.
1: um, the confluence, to use that word again, of humankind and AI and robotic technology Hmm. and the destruction of the world (laughs) and the hope of all men for surviving AI. And what is AI and is it human and does it have a soul? Oh, my gosh. Okay. All the existential questions and they really all come together in the finale of season 4 and that's why you should watch it.
0: Would our teenagers like it?
1: Mm, yes. Well, no, I say that. So first of all, some caveats about um about this show. Yeah. Um there 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 are some there are some some moments. There's mm-hmm. no no nudity, no there's nothing that's graphic, but there are some adult themes that run okay. throughout. Um, so fair. you do have to be a little cautious with younger teens, okay. I think. Okay, fair. Um, with the older teens, so, so we tried to watch this with Ian, who's our third born. Um, he was quasi interested in it, but it takes a little bit to get off the ground. Okay. Um, for lack fair. of a better term. Yeah. So you got to watch the pilot first and then go into the series. The pilot is a bit slow and it takes probably three or four episodes to really get into it. I will say that we, and he just couldn't, he couldn't last since the AI sort of boom has happened and all it's all in the news. Mm -hmm. He has said to me in the last probably month, like we need to go back and I want to watch that. So I think that it would probably lose teenage watchers. um, But, you know, the the events of the current events and current affairs Mm -hmm. have actually made it more prescient than it was even six months ago.
0: Well, I have a group of nerds, like serious nerds. So it sounds kind of up their alley, to be honest.
1: Dude, they would love it. Okay. Are they sci-fi nerds or are they fantasy nerds? Yes, both. If they're sci-fi nerds, they're going to love it.
0: Okay. I think think they might.
1: You just have to kind of work through some of the politics. I mean, it's also a political show. It's kind of like a space opera that has, you know, uh, I never really watched Game of Thrones, so i don't I can't say this with authority, but like Game of Thrones politics sort of mm-hmm. movements and gyrations so there's there's a little bit of politics um but it is sort of like a classic sort of space opera. It's very good.
0: do you know where it's streaming?
1: Oh, you or- know what that's a good question. It may not be streaming right now. They did remove it from a platform not too long ago. I think it might okay. be streaming on Peacock,
0: okay, I'll look it up. I'll look it up,
1: yeah. Yeah, cool. but they did remove it from one platform, maybe Hulu, or mm-hmm. maybe they removed it from Peacock and put it on Hulu. I can't remember, but – All good. Yeah. I, I would even say go to eBay, and uh, if you have a DVD player, get the DVDs for cheap.
0: Okay. It's worth it. That sounds good. I've totally. heard nothing but good about it. The people that are into it are really into it. So, yeah. It's in,
1: it's insane. Here's what's insane about it. I'm just going to keep talking because this is such a good show, Tish. Okay. What's insane about it is if you go back and you run it through the, um, framework of Afghanistan uh, Mm -hmm. in the Iraq war, like you'll totally see the themes like, oh yeah, this was such a big deal when it came out. Because when it came out, we were, we were fighting terrorism. We were going through the Iraq, you know, Afghanistan conflict and, and so the older set of people, you know, like late thirties through like early fifties, like they mm-hmm. get a certain thing out of it. But now with this AI revolution, it's like all things have sort of merged to use the, uh, uh McLean phase, all, all things merge into one and a river runs through it. And that's how it is. Um, so I, I definitely, I think there's something there. There's definitely something there for everybody.
0: Okay. That sounds really good. We need a good show. And I, I say need. You know, not really, but we do actually. We have not really enjoyed a good show in quite a while. There have been some, I mean, Kyle and I have our shows. The kids will watch them anyway, but they're not super into it. So this sounds like something that we can maybe get lost in um, for the next, I don't know, six weeks until we get back to the rigmarole of of school and work and all that. I don't know. Cool.
1: Good idea.
0: So um, I really like this topic that you picked as a way to kind of land the plane on this season because I, well, I know this is the case for you in some ways, but to me, a good ending is a lot. Kyle also quoted, I forget what song from the nineties, every new beginning is no, every ending is just a new beginning. I forget. What oh, song it's
1: it. every, uh, every new beginning comes from some other beginnings. end.
0: that's what it was. It's from a uh, closing time. That's it. So, (laughs) but I was like, that, that is ridiculous that you just quoted that, but also it's a little bit deep, uh, that endings are really about transitions, right? I mean, until our like final ending, which I guess is also a big transition, uh, life is a lot about just endings and beginnings, like closings and ending or closings and openings. And as a family, we're going through major transition this summer. Uh, our oldest has graduated. The whole dynamic changes. The boys are going to a new school. I'm teaching at a new school. And we've got all new, we've just got a number of things that are ending. And it's a good reminder to me that even if endings, you know, when you're sad, a good show has ended, that that doesn't mean life is over. <laughs> it means there are other good things. And not to make it too hokey or anything, but yeah, we're we're ending this season of the show because we like to get offline and live our lives and go travel and play and, and just be people. But we'll be back in, I don't know what, mid-August? Was that our idea? I like mid-August. Yeah. Yeah. Mid-August is what we did last year.
1: Just right back in the, right back in time for the just hellish heat of Arkansas and Texas to That's really right. just drive us back indoors.
0: Sounds so fun. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i genuinely, I look forward to July every stinking year because this is when I take my screen break in general. Like I I will work on my books, but I do not really get online much I might once in a blue moon to like look something up or to you know stream something but I don't I don't keep up with social media I don't I I let my Substack newsletter just sit there because everyone's fine and it's such a good reset button to remember you know life goes on even if you're not around and you don't I mean the trade-off is worth it being out of the loop is so worth the price of I don't know just enjoying life without a screen for a bit. So I am genuinely looking forward to this break. And there's plenty of episodes in the archives if people miss us that much.
1: Go back and listen to some of your favorites.
0: So do you have a thing that's adding more truth, goodness, or beauty? We didn't even talk about this. (laughs) If you're going to do that with an episode like this, I have something, but it's not a big deal.
1: I mean, popcorn. Can I just say popcorn? I feel like that's the thing I should say. We've been eating a lot of popcorn in my house. I like it. Um, This is a show of finales. I feel like every good finale should involve popcorn. And so popcorn. Popcorn is bringing more goodness, truth, and beauty to my life, Tish.
0: That's great. I love it. Mine is a playlist that, again, is in my newsletter, Periodical, that if you are a paying subscriber, you saw. But to be fair... Spotify does not let me link to private playlists without there being a lot of issues. So I just make these playlists public. So even if you're not a paying subscriber, you can find it if you look me up in uh, Spotify. And, you know, I'll just link to it in the show notes. I am that generous a person. But (laughs) it's just it's a 20 track playlist I made for subscribers. And it feels very summery, I guess I should say. It's not Beach Boys or anything, but it's very... I don't know the way I described it in the newsletter is it feels like a soundtrack to have on in the background when you're on your back deck after the kids are in bed and you're talking with your spouse or you're reading East of Eden or you're, you know, on a road trip, that kind of playlist. It's got some good nickel instrumentals and yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Truly it's astounding. (laughs) The last question that I have of you before we take our break is do you like the beach boys?
0: we had this discussion in the car y- literally yesterday um i admire their talent is maybe okay. the that's the fair. way to put it they are very talented it's not really my preferential style of music um i was r- driving with my 13-year-old son he was like what are, what is the song about and i said it is about the beach and pretty girls in a car and actually that's what every song is about <laughs> of theirs and he's like fair enough so that's maybe that's how i feel about them yeah do you like them
1: and we can still be friends and i can still be friends with all of my listeners all of your listeners who agree um with that statement do
0: you not like them or do you love them i can't tell i what you appreciate mean by that. their
1: talent
0: okay there you go fair enough <laughs> all right it's time to wrap this up I will actually end this with a little call to action that if you read my last five quick things before I go on break, you will see I have announced my summer 2024 trip. I would love for you to sign up if you are listening to this and you're sad that you missed our time in Italy and you're sad that you are going to miss my time in Ireland. In 2024, we're going to Greece. So come to Greece with us. We're doing some island hopping and then we're going to hop over to Turkey for a day and we get to be right where Kyle and I lived by Ephesus. So look for sure. the trip. I know it should be really fun. So look for the trip in yep. the show notes of this episode and you should sign up. All right. You can find this episode as well as all episodes if you miss us all throughout the summer at a drink with a friend.com. You can also go there to find how you can help support the show by picking up the next round of drinks. As we often say, the show is free for you to listen to, but it's not free for us to make. So at the cost of a cup of coffee or a pint, you can help us keep it going. Again, that's at adrinkwithafriend.com, and that's also in the show notes of this episode. You can find me and how to connect with me, especially via my newsletter at Tishoxenwriter.com. Seth, how about you?
1: Find me at Sethhaines.substack.com. I think that's right. Anyway, you can find me at Substack. Just go look for me.
0: Yeah, at The Examine. Music for the show. That's
1: right. I rebranded. Thank you for catching that.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. And it's a good one. I like it. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by Kyle Oxenreiter. I'm Tish Oxenreiter with Seth Haynes. And we'll be back here again with you soon in a few weeks. Thanks for listening.